This is Back to Debbie, a show brought to you by Campus to Canton. This podcast specializes in college football players and their potential for future success in the NFL. I'm your host, Mike V. This is my co-host, Corey P. And in this week's episode, we are going right back to the SEC Conference, finishing up with the West. Now, we're breaking down conferences. This is our summer series. If you missed out on the East, just check out last week's episode, and that's where you'll find it. Now, we're breaking down each team's coaching changes, their impact, Debbie assets for each position group, but also looking at the long and short-term options here. But first, Corey with the news. Yeah, it's a very light news week, so I went looking around for stuff that we could talk about. Um, I'm going to start off with some injury news here. Um, a little bit of an under-reader guy, LSU wide receiver Chris Hilton, uh, a freshman that we were excited about about two years ago. Very intriguing wide receiver prospect, very uh, very athletic prospect. Actually, wasn't a year one zero either, managed to break it right at the end there, but has lost most of his time and opportunities to injuries. He's fully healthy and expected to be ready to contribute this fall. Apparently, they're lining him up to be a, a pretty big contributor this fall. So maybe an underrated guy there to, to shoot in the last rounds of your C2C drafts. Um, EJ Smith, Stanford running back, who was having a little bit of a mini breakout last year before injury in week two. He's expected to be ready fully for fall camp after taking off spring camp. Um, reports are that he could have done a little bit more during spring, but just decided to rest up fully, come in fully healthy for fall camp. So he's looking to be the lead there this year. Uh, wide receiver Jordan Tyson, formerly of Colorado, now with Arizona State, towards ACL last year, late in the season, I think like week nine or week 10 or something like that. Apparently supposed to be ready for fall camp, which would be surprising, but is good news nonetheless. I'm um, hopefully not rushing back too, too fast from that. We get some Adam Randall type problems from, from that knee. And then freshman uh, wide receiver from TCU, Cordell Russell, has been seen running routes and catching passes as he continues to work his way back from a broken collarbone uh, suffered about six weeks ago. So another guy that should be ready for fall camp and could maybe contribute this year. Um, let's head over to the transfer portal and a very quick update here for you guys. Really just two guys and two guys that really were probably uh, losing a little bit of hope in. First, we're heading over to Cincinnati where ex-Florida wide receiver Xavier Henderson, kind of a size speed guy that never really developed there at Florida. He's heading to Cincinnati there. Cincinnati has had a pretty decent track record of getting wide receivers into the NFL, even if their level of success is somewhat questionable at, at this point, but um, they're at least getting the opportunity at the next level. And then a former five-star running back, Devin Ford, didn't really have the uh, the career he, he hoped for um, as a running back. Just produced uh, under 700 yards in four, four years of college, which is not something we want to talk about very much. But he's transferring over to Notre Dame uh, to join that muddle backfield over there behind Audric Estime after the departure of, of Logan Diggs there. So just another guy to add into that backfield over there. Looking at the transfer portal, it's really getting thin now. I would say the best player available right now, number one ranked player in the portal, is Zachary Franklin, former UTSA wide receiver. Um, he's trending towards Ole Miss right now. Um, we'll get into them a little bit later as we talk about the West and maybe bring up his name a little bit when talking about the weapons there. Other than that, you're looking at like a Gia Hall, uh, a Milton Wright, a former guy who had some academic problems at Purdue. Just it's a really, you're starting to reach the misfits now of, of the transfer portal. So it's getting a little bit thin out there. Um, so uh, the options are definitely dwindling a little bit. Uh, just a reminder that we did release the Debbie Guide uh, beginning of May, uh, to, uh, just about 250 profiles, advanced stats, rankings, year one zero theory, everything you need to attack your drafts this offseason. That thing is a $20 purchase, uh, a one-time purchase, or become a member with one of our many subscription options, some of which include access to this guide, uh, as well as our supplemental freshman guide and our upcoming CFF guide that they're grinding on right now. Access to all the awesome tools you see posted all over Twitter. So make sure you guys get over there, see everything we have to offer, become a member today, and get the leg up on all your league mates. 
Now we got to go back a little bit to something from last week because going back to the Juco thing, we talked about Keon Brown, how he's going to Juco because of an academic issues. Um, and I said we got to hold on to him for one year and see if he transfers up. Mm-hmm. He can't. He can't. Uh, <laughs> if academic issues, you have to wait two years. And I knew this because I was, like, really excited about Malik Benson getting that all that Alabama offer, like, over a year ago. Um, and I had to do some digging to find out why he wasn't going this past year. Anyway, uh, and so, therefore, when we were asking the question if we want to drop him or not, go ahead and drop him. You don't have to stash the guy. He's not even going to play in the FBS level for two years. Yeah, I think that's that's probably the way to go here unless you have like some kind of ridiculously deep league. Like I was talking to you before the show, I even have Chip Trainum still sitting on like a, a deep taxi roster and now he's coming back to playing running back. So we'll see if anything happens there, if maybe more of a long shot Debbie asset. But those, that's really the only situation I can see where you might hold on to Keon Brown and see what, what can happen. Because two years, I mean, it, it, that's a long time to wait. Yeah. Now we are going to get into our SEC section here. And first off, I just need to give another special shout out to Nate Marquise. I'll be doing this next like six months because he write these coaching changing articles. So I don't need to do the research myself. I just need to go look up the conference and probably look up Nate Marquise's (laughs) name. And there it is. It pops up. So, Nate, thanks for doing all that research for me. Really appreciate it, buddy. All right. Now, let's start off with let's start off with a fun one. This this will be fun. This is a heavily debated team. Texas A&M. Constantly disappointing, constantly pulling in high-end recruits, throwing the money out there. New OC, Bobby Petrino, who came from Missouri State. That's right, FCS school, Missouri State, two years there. But before that, he did a long stint with Louisville. Um, and his his system actually really resembles a lot of what Jimbo Fisher does, the head coach Jimbo Fisher. Um, the real question here, though, is if Jimbo is going to let him call plays or not. No, I think a big thing even heading into this year when that when this hiring was originally said was was that these guys were going to butt heads a lot about uh, the direction of this offense now it was going to go. Yeah, yeah, there is some similarities there, but I'm sure Bobby is going to want his hands all over all over the offense and 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 run it the way he wants to see fit. And I don't know if uh, if Jimbo is going to let him do that. So it's going to be an interesting dynamic to see unfold uh, throughout the year. Hopefully, I'm still hopeful though that maybe Petrino can get a little bit more to these guys than Jimbo's been able to throughout his tenure here. Yeah, and I know we're excited about the young playmakers here, so that's pretty exciting. I'm just really worried about the play calling, but we'll find yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. Time will tell. Uh, let's head over to the quarterback uh, room here first. Uh, Connor Wegman, that's probably the one quarterback we care the most about. Um, he really flashed for one game and then kind of disappeared for the other two. And the one I can't remember who – do you remember who he played against? It was like a big deal game too. Oh, Ole Miss. He, he was up against Ole Miss. Yeah, threw yeah, for that, over that, 300 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. Yeah, really nice, really nice start for him there. Yeah, absolutely amazing start. And then he kind of fell on his face against weaker competition a little bit later on. Again, it's freshman, though. Um, yeah. But but we're pretty excited about him as a future. I think he's a top 10 guy for me and Debbie. Is he a top 10 guy for you, Corey? I believe so. If not just on the edge, I think I've got a few freshmen above him overall in the quarterback rankings. I still got Ewers up there. But really, after like about two or three freshmen and Ewers, he comes in. So probably around that 9, 8, eight to 10 area or something like that. So, um I, I, I think that he has a lot going for him. 6'2", 215 pounds, uh, five-star kid with a lot of hype coming in. Looks like he's coming in as the entrenched starter this year. Um, you know, even last year, looking at the raw numbers, which weren't, which w- were pretty good, actually, looking at them just from a stat line basis, eight touchdowns, zero interceptions, only like a yeah. 55% completion percentage, which wasn't the greatest. But still, we saw things to be um, at, at least optimistic about going into 
um, going into the next year. We, we've never really loved what this Texas A&M system does for, for developing players at the next level, but there's a couple interesting pieces here for him to work with as well. I mean, we'll get into Evan Stewart a little bit later here. Um, and then, you know, him and Connor Wade create an interesting young combo for this team to rely on going forward. Some nice high-end talent here. Hopefully kind of breaks the mold for them in, in in player development and the direction of this offense a little bit, maybe a little more pass happy, maybe at least letting these guys open up and, and show us what they can really do. Let's go over to the wide receiver core here. Evan Stewart. <clears throat> Evan Stewart is a guy we all love. Uh, great playmaker. I think he has really good ball skills for a guy his size. He's real skinny too. I think he's, is he still dealing with an ankle injury? I believe he is. I'm not, I haven't seen any updates on it, but yeah, he has, yeah. he was dealing with that all spring did play the full spring game, but we talked about it as well during the spring game that it looked like it acted up during the spring game and we didn't see him the whole second half. So still no real update on that. Something to watch for sure though. Yeah. If he can play through it and it's the off season, I'm not really too worried about it. I'll be more worried about it when it gets closer to the in season time. Let me ask this question. This is the debate. It's always a debate between Luther Burden, Evan Stewart, Barry and Brown, and then Antonio Williams. Mm-hmm. Evan Stewart's my two. So he's right after Luther Byrne for me. I think he looked pretty fantastic as a true freshman. Um, like, and it's, it's the size is probably my biggest concern. You know, he's listed yeah. at 5'11, 170 pounds. Like, that is on the smaller side for sure. We're going to have to see some more weight added to that. Um, but he really came in as this refined prospect, you know, which was, which was important coming into Texas A&M. Uh, which hasn't had a good track record of developing wide receivers, but he was able to come in and, and and make an impact in day one because he came in a little bit more refined guy who's made some really acrobatic catches. The size hasn't held him back, at least from what we saw last year, you know, going up in between two defenders and pulling a, a, a ball down, um, straddling the sideline, making sure he gets feet in, you know, but it's still early in his career. So hopefully we'll see that number come up a little bit and we can have put a little bit more faith into him. But from what I saw, he definitely looks like one of the safer guys in this, in that top of that class. You know, when we're talking about Barry and Brown and like we mm-hmm. talked about last week, he's, he's definitely more like the athletic type that we're gonna have to see kind of refine his abilities a little bit. Whereas Evan Stewart's almost a polar opposite. He's, he's, he's very good already at this stage and hopefully the ceiling continues to grow, but I'm a little bit worried here at Texas A&M if that can happen. Yeah, I am too. He's actually my four out of the those four guys. I just oh, I nice. think he does have the best ball skills. I'm just a little bit worried about the route running and the size, a little bit of concern too. And then I'm not really sure how Texas and is going to develop him. So like no complaints to anybody that has him at one, two, or three. I think all four of these guys for me are like real tight. So no complaints yeah. there. Is um, there any other wide receiver in this core that really interests you at all? No, I, I wrote down two names here, like Anaya Smith. Mm-hmm. Running back, converted wide receiver. I think he also played another, like a little bit of running back too. Like, uh, I know yeah, he has second some season there. Yeah, yeah, he got some off-field issues, but like as a mover though, he's he's definitely has some like NFL traits as a mover. Um, but you know, entering his fifth year, he kind of like disappears and comes back. Like, I think he's like one of those like you know he'll have a good offseason, maybe goes to the Senior Bowl, has a good combine, and you know he gets slapped on like day three, and then we never hear from him ever again. Like, I think that's that's a possibility. Yeah, he kind of he kind of looks like to me like he's probably going to be a little bit of a gadget player, and he's kind of been that for he's been a do it all guy for Texas A&M. You know, played the running yeah. back the year, the year they needed it, played wide receiver when they needed it, uh, led the team in receiving before this past year where he kind of lost it to injury and stuff like that. So he's a really interesting guy, very diverse guy. Um, so he really strikes me as a as a day three pick and someone who's going to be good for an NFL team, but probably not someone who's going to make a huge impact for our NFL for our fantasy teams. He he, I actually want to say Dimitri Felton from like LSU. Like, I can LSU, see that too. UCLA. Yeah, that, that's a pass. Definitely, yeah, yeah. So that, that's kind of what I see from him. Uh, the last one I picked that was Moose Muhammad, who 
kind of really didn't do anything until this past year. I don't, I really looked into him. Obviously, he's a year one zero. I don't expect big things out of him, but he he has NFL bloodlines and he was productive at some point in time here in this system. So I wrote him down, but I really don't have like he he doesn't like play a ton of snaps, but like he gets the ball when he is on the field. Like his yards per route runs two point oh nine like throughout his career. That's good. Uh, yeah, so, that's a pretty good. Number, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty solid number. Uh, so yeah. I don't know. I I actually think he could be a nice. Nice complimentary piece. Someone to keep an eye on, but not big expectation at the NFL level. The running back room, which has been hard to dissect here. Uh, we had Isaiah Spiller, who was like a, a love for a lot of people, only to get drafted in the fourth round. So that was kind of that was kind of funny. And you got Devin Chain, who was super prolific, but he's like undersized, and he goes to the perfect OC. So like, I can't wait to see how that one works out. But um, now we have. Lev Moss, LJ Johnson moves on to uh, SMU. So Lev Moss is left behind. He got a little bit of run last year. And now they have Ruben Owen, true freshman, was the RB1. I think he's RB2 now among mm-hmm. the recruiting sites uh, down the stretch here. But uh, you're the big Ruben Owen fan here. So I'm going to ask you this question. Do you think he overtakes Lev Moss right away? Uh, I don't know if it's going to happen right away. I definitely lean towards Ruben Owens um, as the guy maybe at some point here. I think he brings something to this backfield the other guys don't have. I think he's a little bit more dynamic. I think he's a little bit more comfortable as a pass catcher. And I think he could work well in, in tandem with one of these guys, right? And they usually like to have two guys that have kind of contributed. You know, when you look at like Isaiah Spiller and, and a chain who are both contributing at the same time. So, you know, even a guy like Le'Veon Moss who maybe runs a little bit harder, maybe a little bit less shifty, but brings that aggressive element to, to complement Ruben Owens. I think those two guys could work really well in, in tandem here. I think the guy that we're not mentioning that that seems like he's going to be uh, a bigger part of this, this backfield. And then we realize is probably Amari Daniels, who's kind of just a reliable do it all guy, not somebody that we're super excited about um, in terms of Debbie. So I really, I really nail it down here to Le'Veon Moss and Ruben, Dan- and um, Ruben Owens, who I do put him, uh, pretty high. Ruben Owens is probably, I think, a top 25 guy, maybe a top 20 guy. I think he's somewhere maybe even in the late teens for me as a Debbie running back. So I think it's a situation where the cream is going to rise to the top. Um, and Ruben Owens, I think by the end of the year, could get a majority of touches in this backfield by the time the season is, is over. I'm, you know, I've never been overly enamored with, with Le'Veon Moss. Never really seems to be really any strong buzz about him. Similar to the way like LJ Johnson for the last couple of years, we just never got any buzz out of him. And then it kind of showed that way on the field. He never, we never got to see what he could do before he ended up transferring out. So hopefully not a similar situation there with Moss, but definitely most hopeful for Ruben Owens in this backfield. Yeah, there's no real vet presence. Uh, I knew yeah. I was leaving out one running back. I love that you mentioned Amari Daniels, but Amari yeah. Daniels had... <laughs> 36 carries last year and Lev Moss had 27. Like that was it. Like that's behind Kevin yeah. chain. So it's, it's very up in the air. Like it, it could be anybody really. I think most programs do favor some sort of level of seniority, but like there, there's no vet presence here. Like this is open. All right. Tight ends. Any tight ends here? I don't, is, who do they even have at tight end? They got a bunch of five stars. I remember they got like Jake Johnson and like Donovan Green. And they're oh, like, oh, yeah, all like, the injury problems, right? All the injury guys. Yeah, so. I don't, they, they collect on the way Georgia does, but they sure as hell don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I haven't seen that. Again, this is a program that we've talked about that have had a very hard time um, developing people for the next level. They get good recruits, but we just never see them reach their ceilings in this offense. Um, so it, it's tough. That? It's tough. Uh, Wademeyer, that tight end that was like a lot. Of oh, Jalen, Jalen Wademeyer. He shows oh, up, runs like a five-second forty. All right, no tight end talk for us here with this one. Let's head on over to uh, Auburn, who uh, <laughs> we talked a little bit about last week. Anyway, new head coach <laughs> Q Freeze, who needs to stay out of people's DMs. He's doing a good job so far. 
uh, previous OC with Brian Hardison uh, came over from Boise, and that was a really big failed experiment here. Um, but Hugh Freeze, uh, he was at Liberty last three years. Before that, he was in Ole Miss during that whole uh, recruitment scandal. Is that right? He had a recruitment scandal mm-hmm. thing? Yeah, something yeah. going on there. I mean, not saying no one else was doing it, but he got caught, so he wasn't doing it <laughs> smartly, I guess. Um, anyway, so he gets he gets back on the big stage, SEC, he's back. Um, the QB factor is interesting because you had Malik, you had Malik Willis get drafted a third round pick, uh, which didn't really nothing really came from that. So I don't really know what he brings to the table here. This year's QB competition is gonna be, be between Peyton Thorne being brought in from uh, Michigan State University. And I believe Robbie Ashford is still sticking around. Uh, the dual threat mm-hmm. that's been kind of like the starter for a while. He's been um he's been pretty terrible, honestly. But but maybe maybe he <laughs> got better. So this is this is this is what the competition is gonna be. Now, uh Peyton Thorne was brought in late. I think he just got brought in here in the spring. It was interesting to see a big program like Auburn not bring in a bunch of transfers like they're definitely out there trying like I saw their name out there a lot yeah. but like they weren't bringing anyone in like and it's Auburn so that was one mind-blowing uh but two they're definitely getting some wins here in the second portal opening um but thoughts on the QB room for Debbie value yeah for Debbie value that's that's the hardest part all I, I think Again, and Auburn was a pretty bad team last year, so maybe that's the reason why a lot of people aren't really wanting to transfer over there. They don't see a lot of the upside over there. They do get Peyton Thorne here from Michigan State, who is a decent college quarterback, and I think the only thing that we can hope is that he's going to supply some type of uh, consistency to the passing game for the for some of these other guys who are maybe a little bit more interesting, a little bit more of the Debbie assets on this team, but I don't see a lot in the quarterback room from Debbie assets. I was even thinking, like, you know, Hugh Freeze coming. He was at Liberty last year. Uh, Caden Salter was a guy over there that, that played really well. Uh, former Tennessee commit had some problems off the field. I was wondering if he could maybe have been a transfer candidate to come over here. And maybe uh, he, uh, he likes to run his quarterbacks a little bit as well. So um, that's where Peyton Thorne doesn't really fit in to this. But that's where maybe it might side over to Robbie Ashford a bit if he wants that element in, in his game. But I think Thorne is a guy that's going to supply the, the most consistent passing um, passing factor to this offense. I just want to I just want to shoot from deep. There's a quarterback, freshman recruit. His name okay. is Hank Brown. He's okay. six foot four, two hundred. So he's got prototypical size. He's seems to put on some weight. He led Lipscomb Academy Mustangs to a perfect thirteen and zero record in Tennessee D two AA state championship. He passed for three thousand two hundred sixty four yards for forty seven touchdowns, which is fifth in Tennessee state history. Well, somebody to put so, on double A, not really a, a huge level of competition. No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Box score scouting, he looks fucking fantastic. Going yeah. to the film, like I don't know, a little bit iffy, but like I'd rather take a shot on him over Robbie Ashford, like that, like if that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't think there's any realm where I'm taking a shot on Robbie Ashford. I would take just about anybody over <laughs> over Robbie Ashford. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, let's let's get over to the wide receivers though. Um, I'll leave out the superstar name for later, but Auburn brought in three receivers from post spring here. They brought in Caleb Burden from uh, Ohio State. He was a high four-star, top 20 recruit. Uh, Jair Shorter from University of Tennessee. He's always, not Tennessee, excuse me, uh, North Texas, University of North Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, who, he's been mentioned quite a bit. And they bring in Shane Hooks from Jackson State University. I also want to say this too. For uh, Coach Prime, I know he gets a lot of flack lately, including from us, though. But a lot of these Jackson State guys transferring up, they've been a lot of Power 5 offers, which has been, like, really impressive. So I want to give him a pat on the back for that. looks like he's developing those kids enough to get that recognition. Um, 
And anyway, then you got superstar wide receiver Camden Brown for Auburn. He's currently dealing with injury. But before he was dealing with injury, he mm-hmm. was wowing the coaches, according to to reports. So that's two separate coaches that he was creating wow. He was just wowing. So anyway, Camden Brown, superstar. Yeah, your your guy Camden Brown uh, flashed a little bit here in the spring as well. Was reportedly running with the first team early in spring before getting a little bit dinged up as well. It's just a room with a lot more questions than answers. Ones that we might not get till we see this team hit the field. But again, you know, Caleb Burton. Um, Former five-star Ohio State commit, treaded his knee in high school, has been really unable to come back from it since, has kind of got recruited over there at, at Ohio State now, but was a very talented kid in high school, and he will be two years removed from that injury now. So maybe we'll see some of that talent return. Maybe there's a, there's a realm here where he can kind of rise above everybody else because he probably is, as a healthy player, the most talented guy in this room. Jair Shorter is kind of interesting. He's a guy that I was taking some late stabs on in C2C leagues last year, just because he, this was a guy who was looked at as more of a tight end early in his career, which I was like kind of surprised with. He's actually listed as a tight end on 247, but he's only 6'2", um, 220 pounds. So he doesn't necessarily fit that, that archetype of tight end that we expect, but he's a very physical possession type of receiver that can maybe make some waves here coming from the G5 as well. Um, has that big body on, on the outside and maybe give them a nice possession receiver on the outside. And the other guy, Shane hooks, not a guy that I've looked at uh, a whole bunch, you know, Jackson state, um, not something that I'm looking at uh, very often when I'm looking at, at tape, but again, six, four, 205 pounds, another guy that's bringing some size to this room. Um, so uh, between these four guys that we're talking about, they at least have some interesting guys here. Um, that could potentially break out the system if we get a little bit more consistent play from the quarterback. I know none of these names are exciting. But if you had to hang your hat on one wide receiver at Auburn to be Debbie relevant, because I'm going to say right now, I am the biggest Camden Brown fan. Mm-hmm. But even even projecting-wise, I'm probably projecting him currently being like a day three guy. And I'm hoping yeah. he can get good enough to be day two. But I'm not – if there's one guy in Auburn that you would want to hang your hat on, who would it be? I think the only guy, and it, it would have to be super late, and probably in the C2C, probably not even taking him in a 10-round startup for a Debbie draft or something like that. Yeah. It's Caleb Burton. Just because he's a former five-star, uh, was good enough to get dra- uh, recruited by Ohio State, who really has a good eye for, for that wide receiver talent. And really, I can add some context to his profile because he shredded his knee. You know what I mean? He's had a hard time coming back from that, um, Even especially when you do it in high school. They don't necessarily have the same medical staff at, at right at your beck and call like they do at the college level or even at the NFL level. So you have to wonder how that, rec- that recovery process has gone for him. I'm hoping now two years removed, he can show us some of that talent that he had in high school that made him such a high-ranking recruit. But if I had to, absolutely had to, it would absolutely be Caleb Burton. I like it. I like it. My pick is obviously Camden Brown, but I don't need to talk more about him. You don't want to tell the people? Why, why do you love Camden Brown? Uh, Cannon Brown, six foot three, two hundred. He was a high three star. Uh, he caught a lot of uh, positive buzz early spring. He was an early enrollee, um, and they're saying how this kid's the best guy on the field. And then comes summer camp. It took him until the second day to move up from third team to second team, and then they give awards at Auburn. So he got like play of the day twice in two weeks, and then he got like player of the day like twice as well. So he was making pretty big headlines there. He got his one start one start this year and he went off for like 80 yards and like a touchdown. And if they had better quarterback play, it would have been a lot, it would have been a lot better stat line than that. So, and which by the way, that game was also the highest reception total of any wide receiver the entire season for Auburn, which was a little bit sad when you're looking at the whole team, mm-hmm. but 
But good see, for him. See, you, you had you had all those good tidbits, and you were about to just pass right over him and move on to the next guy. See, people <laughs> want to know that stuff, man. That was good. I don't want to be good. a broken record, you know. <laughs> yeah. This isn't the Camden Brown show. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> and I'm over here helping up Hank Brown. So if your last name is Brown, going to Auburn, like <laughs> pencil me in. Uh, all right, let's move on to running backs here. Yeah. Uh, so we briefly touched on Jarquez Hunter last week. Um, not much to say here. We don't know what the implications are yet of his uh, debacle. We'll call it a debacle. Um, mm-hmm. so, but let's just assume for this show that he's not, he's not playing for Auburn next year at this moment. Let's just assume that who's the next guy up. Yeah. I mean, I, as much as I like Brian Beatty from, from South Florida, it's really hard for me to get behind a five, 760 pound back as a lead guy here, which some people have kind of been pointing towards. I know he went over like a thousand yards last year for, for South Florida. I just have a hard time getting behind a guy like that. So I think that I'm going to have to obviously go with Damari Alston here. A uh, guy who was a four four star guy in last year's class had a ridiculous offer sheet, man. I'm talking like over 50 offers from every blue blood program in the nation. Um, the thing with his profile is, I, I really felt like there wasn't anything that stood out overly from a receiving angle, um, from his track times as well, pretty modest times, 100 meter, all over like 11 uh, seconds as well. He's just a very good do it all guy that I think is probably best suited to lead this backfield if they don't bring anybody else in. He's got some decent size, five nine, two hundred and five pounds. So he's really the only guy in this backfield that I feel like has been there long enough. Um, has enough of a recruiting pedigree, has enough size that I really think could I could I could see being the guy because like even Jeremiah Cobb is a little bit of a smaller guy, Brian Beatty is a smaller guy, so he's really the only guy here that profiles to me as a lead running back. If Jarquez Hunter's not around, yeah, I'm with you there. I actually am like locked step with you on that one. I do want to say this though, they could bring in a transfer. I mean, they could, could yeah. Happen. And I mean, yeah. you know, you, Hugh Freeze has thing. You mentioned it last you, last week with Day Day Hunter. Like he's still sitting in the portal. He's like the second ranked player for on three right now in a transfer portal. So he could be a fun guy to come over and maybe supply if they get more clarity on what exactly is going to happen with Jarkus Hunter going forward. That could definitely be something they look at going forward here, entering this entering that summer at least, getting another body in there. All right, now let's assume that Jarkus Hunter wasn't in the video at all. It's somebody else, you know. So, so yeah. he's safe. Uh, he runs. I think if he if he plays the whole season, Jarkus Hunter might be a thousand yard rusher, uh, along yeah. with probably a good two, three, three hundred yards receiving as well. He's got he's a pretty good pass because he's running back. For Devi though, I I don't see a day two path. I just don't. I think he's a day three guy. I think he's just one of those dynamic pass catching running backs. I don't think he's a good runner. A lot of his success because I know he has a super high yards per carry, but when you watch his like tape, it's all bouncing around the outside. It's like they put in tank and the tank go down the middle and then they put in like Jarkus like hey Jarkus just pick a pick a side to go around and figure it out yeah uh, that wraps up Auburn we don't want to talk tight ends here right I know they got some transfers but we don't want to talk them no we never want to okay. talk about tight ends awesome 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 let's go on to <laughs> Alabama dude let's I love talking Alabama yeah this is gonna be the long one yeah yes this well yeah uh, new OC is Tommy Reese the previous one was Bill O'Brien goes over to the Patriots we needed him uh, quick Patriots rant as a Patriot fan someone needs to get fired. Somebody, whoever whoever looked at Matt Patricia, failed head coach, defensive coordinator, and was like, yeah, this is what we need calling plays is Matt Patricia. And then whoever like stamped it with the approval, both of them need to get fired right away. They need to get them out. Yeah, so you want to fire Bill Belichick? It, it was a train wreck. And maybe, maybe, dude, that, was, that was a train wreck. I mean, who, who didn't think that was going to be a train wreck? Yeah, I don't know. Time? I don't really know what was happening there. Sometimes I think he... Like Bill, getting a little bit off topic here, but Bill Belichick is so has so much confidence in himself that he feels like he can make anything work, and he's like, whatever, I'm he just gonna hire. He won't outsource, dude. Get, That's like, it. Get someone <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, Tommy Reese comes in, new OC, Bill O'Brien leaves for the Patriots. Uh, Tommy Reese comes from Notre Dame's offense, who was also not that fun last year. But Notre Dame from 2022 to 2020. Before that, he was the Notre Dame QB coach from 2019 to 2017. So uh, Reese does have some creative play calling and system flexibility that Bill O'Brien lacked. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how the translate to, to Alabama here. So Reese is going to be tailing his plan to Milrow Simpson. They have like very specific skill sets. He sounds to be more flexible. Who who starts week one? Oh, it's going to be Jalen Milrow, I think. I on I've been, I've been I've said it from day one. I've said okay. it from uh, from the beginning of spring. I just think that he always seems to look good in these spring settings. First of all, right? This guy's six to two hundred twenty pounds, yeah. uh, big arm, look, really flashes in this kind of setting. Nice game last year in the spring. Looked okay this year as well. Kind of got better as the game went on. Um, his one start last year did leave something to be desired. I can't remember the team they played, but um, they became a very strong rushing team, and that may be the path for Reese to go if he's going to tailor an offense towards them. As a team, I think they went over 300 yards that day. I think Jameer Gibbs was even like almost 200. Milrow was like 70 and a touchdown himself. So I would imagine that that would be more the focus with Milrow under, under center, um, similar to like the Jalen Hurts era of Alabama, where like the run game and defense are really the key pieces of this offense. And I'm – I'm not – I don't think it's out of the realm that if Jalen Milrow has a good enough year this year, shows off that mobility, shows the steps forward as a passer that I'm hopeful that he can take, that he gets drafted next year if he doesn't even stay one more year because I think that's a possibility too. But I think he becomes a draftable asset. I think there's enough tools there for people to, to be intrigued by. I mean, Hendon Hooker day three or uh, round three, I think that could be the range for Jalen Milrow as a prospect next level. Somebody's going to think they can mold this piece together uh, and fix some of the issues we see on the field. Uh, Melrose one star against Texas A&M. Now, real quick, who starts week 12 next year? Jalen. Jalen still? Okay, you don't think he's losing yeah. it? No, I don't think that. he's losing it. No, I just think like, I'll, I'll, you you can give your spiel here as well. But I just don't – like I would say the upside is higher with Simpson as a passer at least. Yes. But, like he just hasn't impressed us much from the stuff we've seen. He looks a little indecisive. Yeah. He checks down a lot, which we saw in the spring game. The size is a little bit of an issue still as well. I still like him as a long-term option here. But I don't think he's done anything to win this job. And I don't know if that's going to happen in the summer enough or throughout the season enough, unless Milrow is just really bad. According to the standards that Alabama has, because they're, you know, we, we put them on a pedestal. They're always a top team. We always expect big things out of them each year. Mm-hmm. I imagine they're going into this looking at this as which quarterback is going to make the least mistakes. Because yes. their defense is going to yeah. be really good this year. Um, I was going to ask you, is there anybody else? Um, I know they have what's his name too that comes in this year was a top ten ranked quarterback for a lot of these uh, Eli, top Holstein. Uh, Eli Holstein. Do you like and him at all? Had, not really. And they had like Lonergan too, who was like a yeah Lonergan like too, guy. which I have I haven't looked into either of them. So I thought I'd leave it up to you as a guy who looks a little bit more into the into uh, the freshmen sometimes. I wasn't really impressed with either one. I really couldn't like you know they look like high school pocket passers. And I just like there's nothing really too special about their game. Like it wasn't like they yeah. had amazing throws or they were amazing on the ground. It was kind of like they didn't either for either one of them. Yeah. Holstein um, in the spring game, too, his arm looked a little bit underwhelming. I don't know why everything just seemed to be floating. I don't know. Maybe it was just he was scared to to rifle it in there, get picked off or whatever. Like, I don't know if that's part of his profile, if, he, if he's supposed to have a big arm or what. It just didn't impress me very much when I was watching it in the spring game, at least. Um, let's go on to the wide receivers here. and We'll just start from the top down. I mentioned how we weren't excited about the senior class here. So I'll, I'll just start off. So we have. Uh, Jermaine Burton, who was the transfer from Georgia, he was mm-hmm. the reports out of Georgia were just glowing, uh, you know, quoting like making DBs looking silly. And you're like, well, those are NFL level DBs, like he's making it look silly out there. 
And then he comes over to Alabama and like, I'm watching him just run into defensive backs. Like he's not even getting into his breaks. It's like, he, he doesn't know how to, yeah. he doesn't know how to like slow down. He doesn't know how to decelerate. He doesn't know how to stop himself. He just runs into them. And then he flounces around until he figures it out, uh, which is pretty bad. It's kind of what I saw. Out of, uh, really, or sorry. What I saw out of, uh, Rakeem Jarrett, I saw that a lot out of him too. He mm-hmm. was a UDFA. I don't think he tested as well. I expect Burton to probably test a little better. He does have um, some nice verified time. I think he's like 4.414. He's got like a close to a 40 inch vert. So I do think he has athleticism to him. But like you said, it's just the inconsistencies. If I'm looking at the top of this class, uh, top of uh, the wide receiver depth chart for um, Alabama, which I'm uh, going to assume the two guys starting at least are Jermaine Burton and Ja'Cory Brooks. Um, I think that, you know, if Milrow starts, like I think he's going to, I think Jermaine Burton possibly fits him more as a shot guy. At least he has some of that speed to get over the top. Milrow's the kind of guy that is more safe. There'll be a lot of running, and he'll love to take that shot deep. Jermaine Burton's the kind of guy who can get behind a defense, whereas Ja'Cory Brooks is kind of more like you got to throw it up and pray that he's going to beat his man one-on-one because a lot of the time the guy's right in his hip pocket. So I do think that there's – that he did lead a team last year. There's a path to him getting drafted, I think, still, um, whether it's a day three pick. Um, that's probably more so the angle here. So if you're going to take one of these top two guys, I'm still might be going with Jermaine Burton, which is maybe me dying on a hill here. But I think that's yeah. where I'm going to go if I had to choose one. He's certainly the better athlete. He definitely has the side. Like, yeah, great athlete, great build, too. Like someone that can definitely develop into a route runner. It's just we're yeah. going to year four, and he really hasn't shown any development at all. So I'm kind of like done with that idea. He finished off last year 128 yards against Austin P, 87 yards against Auburn, 87 yards against Kansas State. So he like finished strong. At least, yeah. Yeah, at least on the box scores, he did come off a lot stronger at the end. He also lost snaps down the end, too. So he definitely had yeah. that and going then, for him. And then oh sorry, you go on. No, I was just gonna say they have a lot of a lot of freaking bodies here. I mean, I don't know, I, I don't know if you're gonna go into Brooks here, but like um yeah. it, to me, it would seem like there's two other guys here that are fighting for that wider three wide receiver three spot on this offense, which I think we might both have a little bit more hope for. Um, but it's just, it's just the choice, which one is it? And that's sophomore uh, Isaiah bond freshman from last year, or the Juco transfer Malik Benson, which I think is your favorite of the two. Yeah, I do. I do like Malik Benson more with Brooks though, too. I think you already talked about, he's like a jump ball guy and that's all he is. I think his footwork and route running is also pretty terrible. It's just, yeah, Mike, can, if you can, don't know Mike, accelerate. he hates Corey Brooks. Dude, right? I just don't. <laughs> I think the rest of the community's caught up, but there's no way anyone out there should be saying he's a day two guy. They just yeah. shouldn't be. Uh, but Malik Benson, yeah, Malik Benson and uh, Isaiah Bond are like kind of the speedsters. Now, um, watching JUCO tape is a little bit rough because it's like it's just like watching high school tape when you like you watch the guy and you're like, I think he can do more, and he's just choosing not to because he doesn't have to. Mm-hmm. You know. He's, he didn't really show much of a like route running like crispness, but like you can see bursts of athleticism out because he runs like I think a 10 4, like 100 meters, something like that. Yeah. He's something very fast, fast in the 100 meters, something like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, and I mean, the way that the drafts are going right now, it seems like the community agrees with you. It seems like that's sort of consensus is everybody is kind of buying in as Malik Blanton is the foregone conclusion that he's going to be a third guy. Me but personally. Even, even in the spring, though, bro, in the spring, like he wasn't involved until like the last quarter. Thank you. That's exactly that's exactly what I was gonna say. Bond was the guy was the first guy we saw in the spring game, and even though he had that nice drive with Milrow down the stretch, didn't seem to the, to the fourth quarter of that game. That was like his first catch, and then he subsequently caught like four catches and a touchdown, which is nice to see. Maybe that propels him a little bit, but 
part of me is just thinking that everybody is is trying to pigeonhole themselves into an ex-Alabama wide receiver here, chasing a little bit of that Jamison Williams, chasing yeah. like we did with Tyler Harrell last year, that we did with Ty- with Jermaine Burton last well, year. I didn't well. do that with Tyler Harrell, bro. That was I was no, not on was, that. There were some people out there that were doing that, okay, <laughs> but um, I, I just I think you have to kind of buy into one of these guys and hope for. I've just never. I haven't been overly comfortable taking Benson at his price right now, which just continues to rise. Like yeah. we're looking at like a fourth round startup pick now. Whereas like Isaiah Bond, sometimes you can get two rounds later, three rounds later, depending on who you're drafting with. So that's where I'm preferring to take my shot right now because I just think that I'm not I'm not 100 on either of them really being the guy. And I can I can see a, a path here where Bond is the guy over Benson. If you're shooting from deep, we got to talk about Kendrick Law, who was shockingly involved in that spring game heavily. Mm-hmm. Kendrick Law also beat the year one of the year mode. He was an athlete. He's one of those guys that are like, he looks like a running back, you know? Like he moves like a running back, converts yeah. to wide receiver. Um, so just his movement ability in the open field, you can just you can just tell. It's not as smooth, um, but I thought he looked good in the spring game. Really surprising for me how much he was involved there. So uh, if yeah. you're in your drafts and you don't have an Alabama guy, but you just really want one, you can get Kendrick Law for cheap in, in the back end. Yeah. And, that's, that's and there's there's cheap. there's just a whole bunch of guys here, really. I mean, we haven't even talked about Kobe Prentice, who's the one freshman who actually flashed last year. But I think we all agree that the, that we don't feel like the same right. upside is there. Maybe maybe kind of more like the John Mechie type he's, of this offense. He's a, he yeah, that. he's a small yak guy. Um, and people said he looked bad in the spring. I thought that was really more poor QB play than on his part. Like I thought he kind of got open a few times deep. Yeah. I thought um, it was fine, but like, I'm even doing the program yeah. five conference draft right now. Okay. Kobe Prentice didn't go to like the 20th round, which is like, kind of, kind of, which is kind of crazy. But like I, in the chat right away afterwards, I was like, thank God somebody took him because I was going to be forced to do it soon because he's like so deep that it's just like, yeah. you have to take the shot on him after seeing some of that production there. But it's like, I was, I was going to be forced to take him if somebody didn't do this soon. But again, I understand it. There's just a little bit of lack of upside there. He didn't really flash like so much. And then of course, Chaz Preston, which was the highest rated guy of the freshman last year, I believe. And then even Emmanuel Henderson caught a touchdown in the spring game. He got one. That was one snap? snap last year. I think. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking about Henderson. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, 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 he didn't. No, do, sorry. He didn't do Shaz. that. Yeah. Shaz got one but, snap against uh, Mississippi uh, State, and his brother is a, I think, a safety from Mississippi State. Saw him out there, and they like high five each other. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so that's the only reason they put him out there. Go high five your brother, and then come back to the bench. <laughs> yeah. I just have to mention Henderson as well, who we did see is making the conversion. We know he's an incredible athlete. We said when he came out. Uh, converting to wide receiver was actually a potential in his profile. A lot of people at the company were saying that. So um, another, just another guy to add here. I think it's one of the harder years to figure out this Bama wide receiver. Court. I really do. And I don't know if they're going to get more guys and these guys get recruited over. It's a, it's a tough room to figure out right now, but it, it feels like um, the two guys you're, you want to target here are Bond or Benson. Yeah. And then let's just touch the freshman real quick. There's two, there's Jaron Hamilton, who was a mid four star. And then you had uh, Jalen Hale, who was a high four star, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, Hale to me is just copy and paste of Corey Brooks as a recruit. So maybe he can get a little bit more development in, but he yeah. looks a lot like Corey Brooks. And therefore I'm really sour on Jalen Hale. All right, let's, let's go on to the running backs. We talk a lot about the wide receiver core here, running back court, uh, Chase McClone, uh, really high rated five star. I want to say it could be four star, um, high four star. A while. I believe, yeah. Okay. Great athlete though. Hasn't really shown it yet. Um, but came back from injury i think it was an acl and he looked pretty good last year and then you got uh jam miller the freshman from last year justice haynes comes in 
I'm missing one guy, Roydell. We don't want to talk about Roydell Williams. Is there? I mean, yeah, he <laughs> probably not a lot, a lot of value there. And then Richard Young, of course, the other freshman that's coming in, a guy that yeah. can possibly complement uh, Haynes down the line as well. I know you've been uh, a little bit bigger on on Jace McClellan through his offseason. You've kind of been rising uh, for you, a guy that had the highest spark score uh, in his recruiting class out of all the running backs, um, which is nice to see. Um, profiles as that kind of strong early down runner. He's going to be two years removed from that ACL now as well, which again, we, we've talked about before. That's when you start to see these guys really come into their own uh, and start looking like the guy that, that, that we liked as a recruit. So maybe, maybe an avenue there for him to, to really help his draft stock going into next year. Yeah. He's only had five games with over 10 rushing attempts this past year. Uh, his gaming is Auburn and gaming is Texas A&M were pretty unimpressive, but then he rushed for, 17 for 156 and two against Austin P uh, against Ole Miss. He did 19 for 84. I mean, it's not really that great either. And then Vanderbilt 11 for 78. So he seems to be really efficient as poor competition. Now I know Alabama had a down offensive year overall, but even watching film, I thought he had some juice, you know, like it might not have like worked out on the stat sheet, but like, he looked like he had some juice here. So I'm kind of in, I really am kind of in no one else here on this team. I think has power back capabilities the way Chase McClellan does. So I don't think he's really mm-hmm. threatened to lose his role either um i know there's a pretty huge justice haynes fan club but i just don't think it's going to be this year yeah like i do like it, looking at my rankings just Haynes is the highest rank out of the backs for me he does bring a skill set that nobody does in this backfield I, I think he's definitely more dynamic um definitely more the kind of guy who can fill the jameer gibbs role that they had in this offense last year if they if they want to do that he brings some of those similar elements um uh, not a guy we have to talk a ton about. We've been talking about him a ton this offseason. But I think the interesting thing here is what to do with a guy like Jam Miller, which was a guy we were very high on last year in last year's class. Very good do-it-all player. Um, strong receiving profile as well. Good track times in 7.7 seconds in 100 meters. So he's got that speed. He's got that receiving profile. Uh, and I think it was promising to see the amount of run he got last year as a true freshman as well. Um and some people are kind of wondering, what are, what are we supposed to do with this guy now? You know, and I, I think, you know, we've seen multiple guys come from this backfield um, that don't always make a crazy impact uh, on the stat sheet. You know what I mean? Multiple guys have come from this backfield, whether it was uh, Damian Harris, Kendrick Drake, um, Josh Jacobs. Um, Derek Henry uh, obviously eventually was, was the high end thing. But it's all those guys in the same era making the transition to the NFL and being good as well. So I'm not totally off the fact that Jamari Miller could also be good on the NFL. He's still a top 15 back for me. And I think that what he showed last year is promising for, for his potential run going into this year. I'm with you. I'm pretty into him. I want to see some dog in him this year. I just, I don't need to see, I just need flashes of it um, going into a second year. I'm trying to be two critical guys their first year. Yeah. Um, but if someone offers me like a stud for him, like, you know, someone's like, oh, well, you have running backs and I don't. And I, I have wide receivers and they're like offering me, I don't know, like Antonio. Here's, Math- Here's Matthew Golden for Jamari Miller. Are you taking that? Oh, that's tough. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe, that's a tough, maybe. You just, yeah, I can see taking that because I think the production might put golden above and i think there are some more avenues for a wide receiver to make the nfl so might might yeah. side a little bit more there but yeah I yeah might, that's yeah. Where, that's where it gets tough it's right around that area for me i do i do have him ranked inside my top 15 but yeah like i said i'm a little bit worried about he, that he doesn't have any dog and that's what i'm looking for this year like that's specifically what i'm looking for this year is he's got some dog in him yeah and then i think of course you know just got to mention roy dell williams he's just a guy that maybe we were excited for like two or three years ago, but hasn't been able to stay healthy, uh, probably falls victim to the other backs they're bringing. And then Richard Young, guy who was a very high-ranking back in this cycle, but more of your north-south uh, one-cut type runner, uh, kind of the exact opposite of Haynes, which 
might make a nice compliment to him later on down the down the down the line. A guy who I could see adding a bunch of weight to his to his body and uh, being more of that power back uh, early down type runner. So. Uh, yeah, I, I still have Haynes and Miller as my favorite with with Jace McClellan as a very close third. But um, yeah, that's a, that's generally how I'm feeling about this backfield. All right, that's that's a lot of Alabama talk. We're gonna skip tight end. <laughs> can we do we do we have to skip tight end? I, the only thing I want to say here though is okay. that with Tommy Reese coming in, I do wonder if there is more of a uh, an emphasis on getting tight ends. Well. I just want to talk about one guy here. Okay, it's not yeah, CJ Dupree who's who, who's whatever. It's Amari in black. Uh, a guy uh, who it was uh, one of the top athletes in the class, 6'4", 235 pound uh, tight end. He was a number four ranked athlete in, in 22 class, 100, uh, top 100 player nationally by 247. On three, had him as their number one tight end last year in last year's class. I didn't even know that, actually, because I don't use on three enough. But they were actually his number one uh, tight end last year, five-star player, according to them. We didn't see a whole lot from him from last year, but he came from Florida's highest level of competition uh, great after the catch there played a ton of wide receiver at that level as well he profiles like a really interesting tight end project i actually wish i, I pushed for it a little bit at the end but i actually wish that we did write him up for the devi guide um but it is a tight end so who really cares that much but i do think that there's some interesting things here so with tommy reese coming in i just want to say a guy to maybe keep an eye on i've already seen him start getting taken like in the later half of, of c2c drafts maybe but some people making that connection as well but yes the guy who probably up uh, profiles with the most upside in this tight end group so that's all I want to say about that. We can move on now. <laughs> okay, I thought you were going to talk about CJ Dupree, who was transferred from Maryland, six foot five, two sixty. So he already has the weight, and also showcased. Yeah, but I just, I just don't think he's the same. I don't think he's the same type of athlete. Yeah, which is what I'm, he's more of like the the Cameron Latu mold. So if that's your if that's what you're hoping for, I think that's what you'll get. I'm not ready to call him Cameron Latu. That's a pretty steep insult. Um, Latu was good, man. Latu no, was both decent last year. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's, let's move get on. out. Let's, let's get out. Yeah, uh, Arkansas new OC Dan uh, Enos. Previous one was Kendall Bryles. Uh, I'm gonna mess this up, but Dan came from Maryland OC from 2022 to 2021. Before that, he was the running backs coach at Cincinnati in 2020, and in 2019 he was the Miami OC. 2018 Alabama QB coach. Anyway, this guy moves around a lot. Yeah. So I, you start to wonder why they're even giving him any more chances to be, <laughs> to be honest, because he seems to be moving, seems to be moving around so much. And even in Maryland last year, I remember when I did a show with Jared Palmgren, when I came on chasing that, we looked at his past a little bit and like teams progressively get worse, the longer he's there. So I, I, it's so weird that he has this kind of like reputation. It's like a good OC, but that's a story for another time, I guess. Yeah. Nate, Nate wrote here in his article too, that he's not a creative play caller uh, and that yeah. his offenses tend to peak in year one. So we may see a peak of 10 right, in 2023. Yeah. Um, but uh, Katie Jefferson's QB here. I don't think that's going to change at all. Uh, what do you think his Debbie hopes are, right? He's going to his fifth year, I want to say. So he's definitely draft eligible, probably goes to the draft this year. What do you think about yeah. KJ Jefferson? I, I've always liked him a little bit more um, than most, but I do recognize that even at this stage, he's a very raw prospect uh, mechanically. Um, he's a guy that relies on the pure arm strength. You'll see him throw that thing flat-footed, puts it all into his arm. He has showed progress as a passer, um, pairs it with some really nice mobility, but he's more of your tough runner. He's um, similar way to Hendon Hooker was mobile, you know, similar type of runners, but he does pair it with a, a little bit more of an elite frame, the 6'3", 245 pounds. I think he's probably like, if I had to pinpoint it, he's round three or more 
uh, QB uh, draft prospect at the next level, unless he takes a dramatic step forward this year. But, um, you know, I, I think he brings tools to the table that guys are going to be interested to get their kind of hands on. I always go back to a quote that Kyle Francis, a guy from the Debbie Watch back in the day when he talked to him a little bit, told me at the beginning of KJ's career, right, because he was somebody I was interested in, his exact quote, he could be Jamie Newton or he could be Cam Newton. So he's anywhere. I think we've passed the Jamie Newman part. I think he has more upside than that, but I don't think he's ever going to touch anywhere to Cam Newton. So he's almost falling almost right in the middle of that scale. Um, and that's just the type of player thing he is. I think he's going to need a lot of things to go right for him to get a shot at the next level, but um, he's got interesting tools uh, to work with at least. Yeah, no, absolutely. I like the tools. I think he's underdeveloped. You kind of already put out what he's got negatives of, but he does offer yeah. some dual threat ability, which even teams that don't, run that they want that on their practice squad like they want right. those guys on the roster to help them prepare for the game for guys like that uh so i i do think these guys drafted i'm not really sure if it's a guy that you'll see on sundays but i think he'll get drafted mm-hmm. um the, i wrote down the freshman they got in coming in um last name singleton i can't remember his first malachi name. singleton yeah. thank you thank you malachi another malachi malachi yeah. <laughs> singleton um i only wrote his name here he, the, the kid's built like six foot 220 I wrote him down and even watching him play in high school, he's my, he's my guy that I'm putting my stamp on. I was like, this is going to be a running back convert. Yeah. We've talked about it before that we think he should go like the yeah. in route. Like, you know what I mean? Like we can eventually see yes. that in his future. Yeah. For him. There's always, there's always quarterbacks converting to other positions. And I think he's going to be one of those guys, but um, great athlete, great movement ability. QB play is really, really shaky. Um, the only then, guy, the only other guy that I do want to talk to about in this in this quarterback room is Jacoby Griswell, who came over from UNC. Probably going to be the guy backing up KJ Jefferson this year. A guy who you know had to sit behind Sam Howell, had to sit behind Drake May at UNC. Has always had a little bit of love behind the scenes over there, but he he might be the replacement for KJ at least for a little bit. He's got a nice stocky build, not the same size, but six one two twenty five. He's a dual threat guy, which is what they loved over there. The offense pretty much runs through KJJ. He could. He could be the similar type of guy for them. And he probably becomes the guy in 2024 after KJJ leaves, barring anything unseen, some some drastic uh, transfer portal up, uh, guy comes in, or Malachi Singleton takes a big stick. But I, I really do think he could be pretty productive. He's a guy in the back half of my C2Cs that I'm targeting. You know, once you're reaching those 30 round, 25-plus uh, round area, he's a guy that could take over for, for KJJ next year and be very productive. Yeah. Um. I have no opinion on him. I know everyone at CDC has been talking about him on and off for like years. It's not happening yeah. yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's uh, just been a, a secret love. Uh, Raheem Sanders, a uh, running back here at the top of the depth chart. Uh, for me, going into the going into the season, he's my RB1. I have him over Trey Henderson. I think you have him at two. Or do you have I have him, him at two. Yeah, I have him at two. Yeah. Right now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, again, I don't think that there's much here to have to say about Raheem Sanderson, uh, Raheem Sanders, Rocket Sanders, uh, definitely in that mold of like your Antonio Gibson, David Johnson. Um, clear progression from year one to two has a pass catching background that makes him a favorable projection. I want to see how he looks at this like new 235 pounds he's listed at, but he does have the frame to carry. He's 6'2, um, so he's got some height to him as well. So I'm interested to see how he's going to look carrying that extra weight this year. I wonder if they're lying about his weight. I really do wonder that, though. There is some times where early on in the season you see, like, a drastic increase, like maybe guys coming off the offseason, and they get a little bit more into shape by the time summer comes, and you see that number drop all of a sudden. So that is something that I'm going to be watching out for as well. Yeah, so I I need to go dig for photos and just see if he actually looks like he put on weight. I mean, or if he looks photos. like chiseled or something, you know what I mean? Like what kind of yeah. weight it, it, it exactly is. Um, I think the, I, the, the one other interesting guy in this backfield to me, um, there's two other guys that we can talk about as well. But 
This is Rashad Dubinian was a, a true freshman last year. He, he strikes me as the next guy. And I know some people uh, and myself, even at one point thought AJ green was, was potentially the future of the, of this, uh, of this backfield as well. Tremendous athlete with a, with a pass catching upside, but never developed beyond like a complimentary player. I think it was pretty telling that uh, in the bowl game, when rocket went down, they went to Dominion as their lead guy out of nowhere. I don't think anybody really expected that played very well. Uh, he was using versatile ways, pass catching down the middle, uh, around the side, uh, goal line situations, brings good size. He's a guy, again, that I'm targeting late in those those supplementals or late in C2C startup drafts this year. He, and he's starting to climb a little bit higher. You're going to have to start looking at towards the back half of those teams, uh, a 20 round area. But he's a guy that he could take over for uh, Raheem Sanders. And we've seen how, how productive Raheem Sanders has been. This guy could be the next guy in line. Yeah, I I am. He's on my radar. I haven't, I'm not like super high on him, but. Mm-hmm. He's on my radar. The other guy, too. Do you want to talk about AJ Green at all? I mean, I kind of mentioned him there, though. Do you want to say anything okay. about um, the, the freshman there, since you're kind of our freshman expert here? Isaiah Augustave, the guy that uh, yeah. Big Water Steve, I really like as an underrated prospect in this class. Any thoughts on him? They corrected me to Augustave, but I, I do okay. think Augustave has got a little bit more flash to it. He should probably, he should he's probably consider. He should consider. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he's he's uh six foot two hundred, no, six foot two two hundred. He's got about a big that 195 frame. pounds he's listed at, yeah. Yeah. He's got a big frame, so you can clearly add the muscle there. He's a great great runner, really high end speed. He's got no pass catching work in high school. That's like my one concern about him, just the lack mm-hmm. of pass catching. Again, it's high school. It might not just really be a part of what the game plan is for high school offenses, but um that's my one concern. And then uh the strength and conditioning coach. Dude, I, I know, I want to say it was Matt Bruning on the Debbie debate. It was like an episode like four or five months ago where they ran through this strength and conditioning coach. And this coach is like, this coach has such a strong track record of making these freak athletes, you know, that you just need someone to give him the technical refinement. But like that guy will get him to the athletic ability. And our, he's with Arkansas now. So, and of course, Raheem Sanders adds to his uh, his resume of success stories now, or he will, he will be added to the resume yeah, of success yeah. stories. <laughs> So, so wide receiver here for Arkansas. Is there anybody here that even has any bit of interest to you? No, dude. And I drafted so much of Sategna and Mumbake. Yeah. Uh, Mumbake was like six foot three, two hundred. Had some nice alpha size, and Sategna was a very fast speedster. I want to say he was like five ten, one seventy. Yeah, did get Something on the like field that. a little bit last year. Just At the didn't end, yeah. Equate to production, unfortunately. Yeah, they're they're both year one zeros. They're both high end recruits. Um, but no, there really is no pass catchers here. I'm even are even on my radar anymore. You know, not yeah. for Debbie at least. No, I think uh, I'll throw out a really really deep name here. I can't remember where he's coming from. I know he's coming from like the FCS or something like that. Um, that's Isaac Tesla. Okay, super deep. Oh, you know, we're yes. talking about like like 40th plus round in your CC drafts. If you want to take a shot on this guy, but he's apparently six four. I think this is only his last year. He might only have two years of eligibility if he's lucky. But he's like six four. Apparently jumps like 40 inches. Has like four four wheels. Like he's apparently a very like it's just been known as a freak. Haven't heard much about him uh, through this offseason, But maybe just some guy to cook, to throw on your radar late round C two C dark for you or something like that. That might might do something they got a bunch of tall guys here too as well uh, uh samuel bach he's got some size tesla 6-4 tyrone broden a transfer from i can't remember where from some g5 school he's like 6-7 so they're just going for like the big big towering targets that kj jefferson is going to throw them up to i yeah. remember watching this film i can't remember what i wrote notes on but i wasn't really too impressed but i can't remember what i wrote yeah great athlete uh let's head on over to mississippi state um new head coach new oc zach arnett's new head coach the new oc is kevin uh barbe um, Mike Leach passed away this past year, uh, mm-hmm. RIP to the pirate. Um, 
great, great character. Uh, he's going to be missed across all of college football. Absolutely. Um, but the new OC comes from App State 2022. Um, and Zach Arnett was the defensive coordinator who took over head coaching duties uh, once he passed. A very different offense uh, from from what Mike Leach. Mike Leach runs an air raid offense. Zach Arnett does almost the exact opposite. Like, like the, run the truest, game set the tone. truest air raid you can think of is what Mike Leach runs. Like he doesn't even care. He doesn't even try to scheme to strength. It's just air raid. That's it. Plug in guys. Let's go. Like that's all he yeah. does. Yeah. <laughs> and and Ke- Kevin, Kevin Barbe, I hope I'm saying that last name right. Kevin Bar- Barbe uh, comes from App State. App State is the opposite. They establish the run and the pass games for like explosive plays with like play action. So the very opposite of what air raid is. Um, so they're doing a 180, or what it looks like they're doing a 180. We'll see how it goes. Um, quarterback is Will Rogers. Will Rogers posted, I want to say two years ago, like one of the best QBRs uh, like across all of college football. Yep. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say he's an NFL quarterback. What would, what would you say? No, he's he's really benefited from this Michael Leach system, which gets the ball up quickly. Doesn't force him to have to go through reads very much, and it's a very like they love to run um, uh, all these crossing patterns and or getting the ball up quick to to their running backs. Like even uh, there's not a lot of running backs here that we'll even talk about, but even Jaquavius Marks, if we want to talk about him a little bit, this guy has caught like almost 200 balls in the past three seasons. He's barely got over a thousand yards receiving. It, almost catching to it like that's crazy how can you even manage that like it's all swings and dump offs and low a dot and that's what will rogers has been is a very low a dot guy through his career doesn't really push the ball down the field limited turnovers high completion percentage those are and passing the ball off they don't run the ball lots he's essentially a statue in the pocket um and he sees his play fall off against some of the better teams in, in, when he when he plays them so i this is going to be a huge year for him in the sense that we finally get to analyze him outside this leech system how he actually looks it's going to make a breaker stock for next year if he if he even ends up being a draftable asset i'm more on like the day three radar long-term backup type guy because being an accurate guy does get you drafted i think and, and potentially a long-term backup at the next level but um everything else to the profile i'm worried about with, with will rogers Dude, he crumbles under pressure like any yeah. any team that can get pressure on the qb just crumbles yeah, you you look at the stat lines against like uh, it was something I even wrote in his Devi Guide profile when I did it. They, like the difference in stats per game stats playing some of those ranked teams against not playing some of those ranked teams was just like a stat. Like like it was a huge difference. So uh, yeah, a guy that has a big opportunity this year to prove us wrong getting out of this system because that system is not good in a sense for developing players uh, above and beyond what they can do. It, it limits them in what they can do. So this is going to be his shot here to prove that he's something more. Uh, the freshman that comes in, Chris Parsons, a uh, big fan of the recruiting team. He's like a pure dirt, dual threat guy. I think he's like six foot. So he's not like yeah. a tall pocket passer type guy. But that's the freshman that's coming in. So I imagine when Will leaves, I think he's going to leave this year. Mm-hmm. Um, this will be a very interesting transition. I mean, this will be a brand new Mississippi State like college football team by next year. Like, we'll see a very, very, very different team. Um there's honestly no wide receivers or running backs, in my opinion, worth talking about. You mentioned uh, Jaquavius. We don't need to talk about Jaden Wally. Uh, no, Rar I mean, Thomas nothing... transferred to Georgia, so he's gone. Um, there's like, no, yeah. there's nothing here to really talk about. I think we did write up Jaquavius Marks just because in a Debbie guy, just because he's a probably a pass catching specialist, right? We yes. like we've talked but about. But even then, like he's not like efficient. Yeah. Like I said, I don't even think he's really an NFL guy. Like he's not even efficient no, it's, with with the really he tough. gets. Another guy that we're going to have to see how he does in this new system without all those easy passing uh, 
pass catches that he, he averages a pretty good yards per carry, I guess, as a runner, but we just haven't seen it enough. The only guy that I will point to at all, just to give you guys a name and we can move on to our next team here, Justin Robinson. Okay. Former four-star guy from Georgia, pretty decent looking profile, 6'4", 215 pounds, never found his footing at Georgia because of injuries and whatever else. It's, it's hard to make it through that room, but he's expected to be a starter this year on the outside. That's just a name I'm going to throw out there because he was a very high ranking guy coming from a, from a good place. Uh, that's really the only other guy outside Jaden Wally that I even remotely have interest in, and I don't have interest in them at, at Wally at all. So um, I think we're safe to move on here unless you got anybody else. No, I do not. Let's move on. Um, LSU, no coaching changes. Uh, tons of players to talk about. QB room, you got Jaden Daniels, who's probably going to the draft this year. Garrett Nussmeyer, who's been sticking around longer than he should, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Two guys with very opposite skill sets. Jaden Daniels is a short area dual threat. Uh, QB single read. He's not very good at manipulating. He's not very good yep. at progressing either. He's a single read short area guy. He doesn't see his read. He just takes off with his legs. Garrett Nussmeyer is like the loose cannon. He he's throwing the bomb whenever he can all the time. So very opposite. Um, and he is more of a pocket passer. So, and they've teased us. They teased us. I, I think this is, this is coach speak by the way, to me. Where they're just like, oh, we're going to have set packages for Garrett Nussmeyer and we'll have set packages for Jane Dance. They just want him not to transfer yeah. out. They want to stick him on the roster because he's a nice priority, like backup QB. Yeah. So, but um, yeah. So, what do you think the Debbie value of either one of these guys are? I don't know. It's just because we haven't seen it. I think Nussmeyer has some potential, especially as a little bit of that gunslinger, a guy who probably profiles a little better as a, as a pocket passer. I don't know where I'm at with Jane Daniels anymore. I don't know how the NFL is going to view him. It's just a guy who has been like, the, the way I can put it is that it's like he's afraid to play quarterback sometimes. Like he just like it's mm-hmm. one read and run very low ADOT as well. Something we're talking about with, with Will Rogers doesn't push the ball down the field because he doesn't want to make mistakes. And I think he feels like that's a good thing. Like that's something. But you're also not really making game altering plays. You're not making like the big play. The, the big time throw percentage was like the lowest in the SEC last year. Like he doesn't push the ball at all. He just hasn't developed from that guy that we saw that first season at Arizona state. So I don't know where I, he's a late round pick to me. I don't, not somebody I'm, I'm super interested in anymore at this point. Yeah, Nuss Meyer's probably be- a guy that I, with his, with his, I think he has more upside as a, as a prototypical passer than Jaden Daniels, especially in this offense. I hope he gets the chance to be the guy at least going into next year. I think that Brian Kelly's probably going to stick with Jane Daniels through his, through his senior season here uh, last season in college. I think he's going to, you know, build the offense around to his strengths, hopefully. And, and, and probably have a very similar type of year. They kind of got a little bit stronger toward the end of the year. Now, second year in the system, hopefully they'll open it up a little bit more, but it all depends on if he sticks around or if he wants to go look for greener pastures somewhere. I think they're telling him behind the scenes that he's probably the next guy up. So he's a guy, again, late yeah. in your CDC, uh, I think you, you should target him. Let's go on to the wide receivers, the guys catching these balls here. Me and you are both big fans of Blake Neighbors. We've been preaching his name for a long time. I know mm-hmm. I love Austin, Austin Nace uh, analysis. I think he's one of the best wide receiver uh, analysis, like, analyzers out there. Um, but he's not sold. And I really think, I really do think it's only because the offense, like we just talked about Jane Daniels, short area, first read, like that's it. Yeah. It's a really, really cap in his, what he can do. Um, so where do you think he goes next year? Yeah, I know. Like for four neighbors, I honestly think that he's potentially a top three wide receiver in next year's class. At least a top five locked in, at least for me. I saw a lot of progression from year one to year two. That excites me because he caught my eye a little bit in year one. But then in, in year two, yak numbers got better. Drop rate increased. And he was 70% drop rate as a freshman. He increased at the 4.5% this year with more 
uh, with more of a workload as well. Forced the most missed tackles in the SEC last year as a wide receiver. So he's just becoming this dynamic guy. Played him on the outside more. He played a lot of slot in the, in his first season. Now he's playing all over the lineup. He just became a very versatile guy. So if he took that jump from year one to year two, now what's what year two going to do for into year three? Like if that's the progression the trajectory is on, like I really feel really good about the kind of talent he is. Does he does he come off as this big contested catch guy who who uh, wins at the catch point, um, flashes you with this amazing speed, burns you down the sideline? He doesn't necessarily have all those elite traits that I think some people look for. Maybe that's why they kind of hold back on him. But I think he he looks like a very well rounded and good player for the next level. Yeah, I think he could be a really nice possession receiver at the next level, you know, or like mm-hmm. one of those chess piece route runner types. Um, you know, he's not we talk about role players. He's not a he's not a field stretcher, he's not a jump ball yeah. guy. I mean, he he can do those things, but like that's not his only skill set. I think he has a very complete skill set, which right. um yeah. next year's class on the surface looks like it's lacking outside of the Ohio State wide receivers. So um yeah, I'm big on him. I think he's a second rounder, uh, at the worst, and I think he could play his way into day one, honestly. Uh for the other wide receivers, um, who do you think's up after Malik Neighbors? Like when he leaves, who do you think is up? I, I know you were like once a fan uh, yeah, of Chris yeah. Hilton. I think you've fallen off from Chris Hilton. Oh yeah, um, that's just that's just a super that's just a super late throw. Now I don't know who else. There's yeah. Brian Thomas here who seems like he's gonna be the guy on the outside. Had a decent freshman season. I thought maybe there was something better in star from there. But again, long, lanky guy, doesn't really have the movement skills we want to see. Um Aaron Anderson, uh, a guy, a high-ranking guy from Alabama's class last year, came in this year to be the slot guy this year, hopefully. I don't know. I haven't heard any yeah. news about him. If he's kind of no, walking in that role or not. Yeah, so I don't know where that's that's headed. I guess the only guy here to really look at is the true freshman, which is Shelton Sampson coming in, who brings some size to the table, brings some athleticism to, to the table, kind of like that size-speed mold that we constantly talk about, a little bit raw as well. But he probably has the most upside in this class after Malik Neighbors. He's probably the guy that I'm going to target after Malik Neighbors is off the board. Yeah, he's been talked. Sheldon Sampson has been talked about a lot as being a tough eval. He's six foot four, one eighty on paper. He's supposed to be a freak athlete. When you watch his film, uh, he just doesn't showcase that. But when you're watching mm-hmm. him, like it just looks like he knows he doesn't need to give one hundred percent. He's just out there giving eighty percent and still winning. Um, so yeah. he's a tough eval for that one reason. But there really isn't much talent in this wide receiver room. Aaron Anderson comes over because of year one zero, and we're not hearing anything about him at all. Um, yeah. And then you got. Chris Hilton and then Brian Thomas, you mentioned too. So it's just a lot of for, guys. No, I was going to say for a team that has had a lot of success at wide receivers to the year, putting wide receivers in the NFL, they've really lacked in their recruiting trail for the past couple of years. Yeah. So Shelton Sampson's a big mystery box. He's, I think he's my wide receiver 10 in the freshman class. I have like zero shares of so far, but um, taking a shot at him. And then there's like a weird, actually, I can't call him weird. Kyle Parker is like a low four star, but he has a cult following. Like people love Kyle Kyle Parker. So, hmm. um, and then let's go to this running back room, uh, which we didn't talk about yet. Josh Williams, I, he's a walk on running back. Is that correct? I kind of wrote. Yeah, that down. something like that. He's a, he's just a guy that really steadied the ship for them last year at running back when they were having other injury problems and rotating a lot of bodies. Couldn't really find their guy. He was just. I don't think there's anything special about him. He just you know, was a guy to, to plug the hole and did a lot of things right. You know, I don't, I don't, I, I'm really iffy about what his role is going to be coming in, into this year. I think looking at this running back core though, it's, it's, 
it's a weird room, oh, right? You've got yeah. uh, you've got a you've got a graveyard of former five star guys. Noah Kane, John Emery, who's constantly academic issues. Noah Kane never lived up to the hype uh, that the that the recruiting services kind of put on him. Maybe someone unsurprisingly, because I was never really that big on him, I couldn't really understand what they saw in him. I think my interest goes to the incoming class, and I think that starts with Caleb Jackson. Uh, freshman coming in, uh, 5'11", 222 pounds. Let's say LSU right now has like a 10.6 100-meter time on his on his resume. Suffered a brutal ankle injury last year, lost the entire season, but is already running track for LSU this season and hitting those 100-meter times again. So we're talking about a guy, size, speed, oh, excuse me, probably profiles as the best guy that we want in this backfield, as a lead back in this backfield. The other guys, Trey Hawley, Amani uh, uh, Goodwin, just profile as complimentary backs. I don't really think there's anything there for, for the NFL. I think the guy that, that really stands out here is Caleb Jackson. Now, the only other interesting group here, I guess, is tight end with Mason Taylor, who kind of showed himself a little bit towards the end of the year. Um, I know you were a pretty big Mason Taylor guy. Uh, oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm end. sorry. Did we did we talk about Logan Diggs? Did I miss that? Oh, I totally forgot about that. Uh, yes, right, Logan go. Diggs. I, Logan, I, yeah. Logan Diggs, transfer from Notre Dame, running back, comes over to LSU, uh, I could care less. I don't think he's that good of a running back at, at Notre Dame, so I don't think he magically got better to go um, over here to LSU. So I, I don't know. Do you, like, you care about Logan Diggs at all? The only thing that I think is it might hamper what we have hopes for in like Caleb Jackson or even someone else like Josh Williams if you're excited about that because I think there's a chance here that Brian Kelly is just going to ride his guy and Logan Diggs into the ground for the next two years. And that's that's my worry with hoping to see some of these young guys kind of break out a little bit. So I have seen enough of Logan Diggs to just feel good saying that he's not an NFL running back. I don't know about Josh Williams. He's a mystery box to me, um, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm pretty, pretty like locked in. Like don't really care about Logan Diggs. Don't want him. No, he profiles as like a, a backup running back at the next level, I guess. Like he does a lot of things really good. He's just not a lead at anything like, yeah. And yet less no, really is lacking too. No traits either. So um, yeah, sorry. Now let's go on to the tight end. You, you take it back away there. No, yeah, I was just going to say, the guy who kind of broke out near the end of the, uh, end of the year, you were pretty high on him. I was going to get your kind of opinion on what you're thinking about Mason Taylor kind of heading into this season and how high that you actually have him ranked in your Debbie rankings right now at tight end. Oof, I don't know how high. I even looked at it for a second here. I want to say he's like tight end six or seven for me. Well, um, that's, that's decently high. It is very high. Uh, Mason Taylor is a true freshman. I think he was like second in receiving. No, he was third. Third in receiving. For LSU this past year as a true freshman. He already has prototypical size. He's out there blocking. Now his blocking has improved. I've like read that during the stream report. So they actually talked about how his block has improved. He even talked about in an interview how that's what he wants to focus on uh improving. So he's one of those guys that's showcasing a complete skill set early and doing it at this level at LSU's level is definitely always intriguing to me. So I'm not ready to like call him like a future stud the next level because that's well, that's extremely hard to do. Like there's only eight guys we truly care about at the NFL level for fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I as far as like the class goes, I think he's my tight end two for his class, maybe tight end three. I think personally, we've talked about way too many tight ends. So <laughs> let's let's move on to our final team here on, on the night, Mister yeah. uh, Mister Jackson Darton, Ole Miss. Yeah, yeah. Ole Miss, no coaching changes. Uh, we love Lane Kiffin. I, I think he's a hilarious dude. Uh, Jackson Dart, yeah. <laughs> that's your boy there. And they bring in transfer from LSU, Walker Howard, five-star, who we got to see at the spring game. We talked about it. Walker Howard uh, was efficient in the spring game, but they did a lot of, like, rollouts, making it so he only had to read half a field the whole time, mm-hmm. making it really easy for him. 
um, as a processor. But, you know, he's young, so I'm kind of fine with that. It's okay. Quarterbacks who take a little bit longer to develop. But I think Walker Howard is the future of Ole Miss. Um, but the real question is Jackson Dart. Like, how uh, how do we project him in the future here? What, what do you think he is for Debbie? Yeah, like, I mean, we we did our, our, our show. We were talking about the 2024 early big board. We were talking about guys who could potentially sneak up there, like super late dart throws, like super long shots. Okay, Jackson Dart was my guy. And just because I think he has a lot of traits that the NFL is going to like with the arm talent, with the size, with the not being scared to push it down the field, highest big-time percentage throw in the SEC last year. Um, he's not afraid to – he's a gunslinger. He's a very big gunslinger. There's some people, like, even talking with uh, Colin, talking with Austin – um, I know Colin's a really big fan of him, but Austin is kind of worried about the gunslingerness uh, if that if that works at the next level anymore. And it's true, we don't see a lot of the gunslinger a lot anymore unless you're like Josh Allen and bring a whole lot of other things to the table as well. Which I'm hopeful Dart can 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 do that as well. I think he needs a really good season this year. I'm hopeful that it was really just his first season starting, first season in the system with uh, with Ole Miss in in this Lane Kiffin offense. I'm hoping that the second year can bring. Uh, um, some more out of him. What I am worried about a little bit, though, is we can move right on to the wide receivers here. Is kind of his wide receiver core, which you know Chris Marshall has now left the team that we just recently talked about. He was looking like he was going to be a big part of this wide receiver core. I'm not sure who the number one guy is is going to be here. Is there anybody out of the, out of these guys that you're really liking? So, like, you know, Trey Harris was a guy that transferred over. I don't actually know if you remember, but during one our, our our G5 to P5 transfer show. He was a guy that I was talking about. Could, yeah, Trey Harris from uh, LT, right? Louisiana. Yeah, yeah. He was he was a guy that I highlighted. Uh, you know, much more of a possession wide receiver. Still probably a day three pick at the NFL level. But um, with Chris Marshall going out, I wonder if he can has, has a bigger role here. Um, we were talking about uh, Zachary Franklin possibly coming in. He, he could possibly be a big name. Are you feeling strongly about any of these wide receiver options? No, not at all. But I, I, I will have to dig into Zachary Franklin if he transfers over. Like, this could be... I, okay, I don't know. They need a one. If Franklin transfers over, I'm interested in him as like a day three guy. I don't, yeah. I, don't think, I don't think day two will ever be in the cards for him, but they need somebody here. So here's a guy that's interesting for you, all right? Uh, throwing okay. you a little bit of a – I didn't put this on the sheet or nothing, but I just wanted to ask you if you had ever gotten around to watching Aiden Williams, uh, a freshman from this class, 6'3", 190 oh. pounds, was like a top 12 wide receiver for a lot of services. Yeah. Very high-ranking guy from the recruiting But our recruiting team didn't seem to share the same feelings about him. Didn't like him at all. Wasn't ranked very highly. Do you have any idea as to why that is? I can't remember from my notes, man. I really can't. I, I want to wrote down that I thought he was just fast and just did nothing else better than just being fast, which is like a lot okay. of the recruits that are high-end are just fast. Yeah, I just wonder um, if there is some room here with, you know, kind of this this lacking wide receiver core, the high-ranking uh, prospect of this guy, profiles as an outside guy, which is kind of like the, the archetype they need right now. They don't really seem to have that size on the outside. He's a guy that I've, I'm I'm wanting to dive into a little bit more and see uh, see the kind of feelings I'm getting about him. Because, uh, honestly, I ride off of a, I, on the coattails of what a lot of you guys say, and then I look into the guys you guys tell me to look into. But, you know, this was a guy that you guys didn't really talk about too much. So I think I got to do my no, own research here and dive into him a little bit. We don't need it. We want to talk Michael Trigg. Everyone else talks about Michael Trigg. No, we don't talk about Michael Trigg. The only other, <laughs> other, the only other uh, position group here that I think is is interesting is obviously the running backs. Oh, I, I yeah. think we we obviously know Judkins. I don't think we have to talk about him. Ulysses Bentley looks like he's going to have a bigger role this year. I don't know how much Debbie love we have uh, for him, but give me the lowdown on on Kedrick Riscano and tell me why and tell the people why you like him so much. 
I, I like, first off, I like Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin actually goes to scout high school players himself. Like, he'll show up to a few high school games. He did that for Quinshawn Judkins. I believe he also did that for Reese Cano. And I'm trusting on him hitting striking goal twice. But Reese Cano, like, he looked good. He looked, he looked like he could navigate chaos at the high school level. Like, he was making cuts in the middle of the field. It wasn't just out-athleting players around the edge. Like, he looked like he knew mm-hmm. how to operate in the middle of the field. And I like that a lot. Uh, that shows a little kind of high level of development there. And he had a complete skill set. You saw him line up out wide in the slot, so he can catch balls as well, too. Uh, So he's just a complete skill set. He's not going to take over Judkins at all. But I think there's a pathway for him to be the next guy up after Judkins leaves. So I I do like Reese Connell a lot. And it's typically – no, I was going to say, it's typically a two-running back system over there, too, as well. So it feels like – and, like, as good as Ulysses Bentley is, he does feel more a complimentary pass-catching type back. I think there is room, you know, and they they showed some faith in in going to Judkins last year, true freshman. So if he can show a little bit of stuff, this is a guy that could possibly pop off a little bit near one. I don't even think they played Bentley that much. He only got 16 rushing attempts last year. I can't remember if he was hurt or not, but but he wasn't. I think he did did get hurt, but the spring game usage for him was – was a little bit telling like he, they did include him a lot they seem to be running him in that second running back role of the shared uh the shared backfield I think he even caught like a touchdown or maybe even two if I'm not mistaken so he seemed pretty involved there so um yeah. definitely not a guy that I think has a lot of Debbie value but a guy that might be just a thorn in our sides if we're hoping Reese Connell can kind of step up a little bit here all right uh and then I just have to mention the tight ends Michael Trigg uh, ultra athlete spring spring game champion every single year Always gets hurt, but he's a great athlete, so you got to keep your eye on him. And then they bring in a transfer from Memphis named Pierkson. With the lack of pass catchers in the uh, wide receiver core at the moment, I really am interested in Pierkson. And just keep your eye on him. I'm not really sure if I'm really going to – like. I really don't plant flags on tight ends, but he's a guy that could be a nice value in campus can drafts. Could be a really good late riser there for tight ends. So, Corey, any word on tight ends for Ole Miss? I think that about wraps it up, buddy. No more tight end talk for me. All right, guys, that's it for us. Thanks for sticking with us on this long episode. We are done with the SEC. You'll have to come back next week. Join us for our well, our next our next conference. I'm not going to spoil it. You got to come in for the next conference in our summer series. And from Corey and from Mike, good night and good luck.